Welcome to Metaphysical Soul Speak, the podcast. I'm your host, Elena Fox. Hey guys, I hope you're doing really well in this moment in time. And that whenever and wherever you happen to be in this interdimensional multicolor universe, I hope that you are able to keep your center in all of this... <clears throat> Multidimensionalness <laughs> is that a word? Probably not. And also, I hope that you're able to focus on the things that you need to clear from your life so that you can be clear rather than just focusing on the positive. A lot of people in the spiritual community want to be really positive, which is admirable, but at the same time, being positive at the expense of ignoring your shadow stuff is a little bit um, detrimental to your mental and spiritual health. So just for today, pick out, you know, the problems, or maybe only have one problem, maybe two, that things you need to work on. And if there's a solution, you can just start writing down, you know, a solution, like on a piece of paper or in, in a notebook. If you have a diary, that's fine. If not, not a big deal. Or you could do this on your, um, you know, on your computer. Just type out whatever is bothering you. Now, I noticed that some people like to have an actual conversation about what's ailing them. But if you're the kind of person that needs to have a soliloquy or one person rant about what's happening and you want zero feedback whatsoever, my advice to you is to either get a dog <laughs> or tell your cat or just record yourself talking or writing it down because nobody really wants to be the sounding board because that makes them bored. You know, it's no one really wants to sit there and listen to you talk for 20 or 30 or 40 minutes on one problem especially when you want zero feedback you don't want any uh, you know stories that's that are relatable you know um, there was like some post on Instagram about this and I think I might have mentioned this one before it's come up two or three times in my feed because people just don't have unique posts <laughs> but um, it just seems to me like someone that is a narcissist wrote it you know like don't come up with a relatable story when someone tells you something and they're in pain don't say anything at all just sit there quietly it's like I'm sorry I don't have a half hour to waste so that at the end when I try to be supportive and say something lovely or a relatable story or something you know whether it's about me or someone else you know or an advice or 
you know, problem solving, you know, like I'm a problem solver. If anyone comes to me with a problem, I'm going to come up with the top three things that you need to do to solve this immediately so that you no longer feel bad. That's just who I am. I'm not the kind of person who wants to wallow in your self pity and your sadness and your depression and do nothing about it. Like, you know, it's just not who I am. Um, you know, I'm just, I'm a problem solver. That's just who I am. So I saw this post and I thought, Oh God, this is like totally, this is like what narcissists want. They want you to just sit there and say not a damn thing. And I feel like sometimes though, we do have a problem or something that there is no solution. We just want to get it out. So if that's you right now today, say you have one problem, there's no real solution. There's nothing you can actually actively do about it. And you want a sounding board. Don't make another person bored. <laughs> B O A R D as well as B O R E D. Do not do that to somebody else. Um, it's not really good for healthy friendships to do that. I don't believe unless you want that other person's advice. If you want that other person's input opinion, even like a really supportive dude, that sucks, man. I mean, that sounds lame, but when someone says that to me, like, oh, that sucks. I just feel so supported in that moment because they understand the suckiness of the suckness that, you know, sometimes has occurred in my life, right? So if it's that kind of a situation where you need to get it all out, you need to, you know, you have to do a one woman tirade or one man grandstand, you know, do it you know, just by yourself or into the wind or tell your dog because they're not going to give up a relatable story or whatever and save the actual conversations, which are a two way street, save that for your friend. You know, when you're ready to listen to solutions and advice to the issue. I mean, it's, I had a friend who would call me constantly. In fact, I've had a couple people over the years do this to me where they call me and all they want to do is rant and rave about their life and they don't want me to say a fucking thing. And to be honest, the last person who's doing this to me, I would just set the fucking phone down. You know, I would just say, yeah, from across the room out the phone every like five or six minutes when she come up for air and say, you know what I mean by that? And I just be like, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't need to be present for that conversation because she doesn't want anything from me except to waste my fucking time. And, um, and I had a family, my kids were little, like, come on, this is like ridiculous. So I've, you know, three or four people in my life actually have done this to me. And I just, it's like when you're an empath, this shit's going to happen. Right? So if you have any friends that do this kind of stuff where they just call and they just want to rant and rave and complain without any kind of input from you, it's probably best to tell them that there really is nothing you can do to help them. They need to see a therapist. And that's the other thing. If, if you're this person, you might need to just see a therapist about this problem. You know, it doesn't take long. You know, if you only have like one or two problems, it's yeah, no more than six sessions should do it. Right. You know, you just get your thoughts out and, and, and the therapist sometimes will give a solution, but usually they just sit there quietly. You know, if you really need another human being to listen to you, pay them, pay them. 
their time is valuable, pay them, you know, um, it's just, it just, it, it is like a narcissistic thing to want someone, your friends, you to want to waste their time and not have any of their input. It's not a conversation. If you say, I want to talk with you and it turns out you want to talk to you. I want to talk to you. You know, <clears throat> it's just not productive for the other person. And it's a time waster. It's a time suck. <laughs> you know, that's, that's the point at which your problems become their sucky ass problems or vice versa. Maybe you're the receiving end of this where you're just like, dude, like, ah, oh, this person's just a fucking time suck. Now, if you can't get rid of them by gently reminding them or telling them that you're not a damn therapist, you're not their therapist, you're supposed to be their friend and quit, you know, calling them trying to get therapized. Um, the best thing I can do, what I have had to do in the past with, um, at least, at least one, if not two people I've had to do this for, um, I've had to put them on ice, which is a very fun an interesting thing because it absolutely works. It's weird that it works, but it busts a habit of the person calling you and it's witchcraft. It's magic. Okay. Um, if you are, um, in possession of an ice cube tray or a little Dixie cup or something that you could put, make, you know, ice out of, or you even have a little plastic baggie and you can put water in it. What you do is you, you write their name. This is what God's showing me right now. You write their name three times on a piece of paper and then you cross it off three times because you don't want them to fucking call you and waste your life anymore. <laughs> Not to waste your time. And, um, you know, then you, uh, put that in a plastic baggie and you put that in the freezer and you freeze them out like that. Like you don't have to say a word. You're just going to notice they're going to stop calling you. And you could actually say like a little poem, you know, um, let all of my interactions be interactions. Let all of my conversations be conversations and let my, uh, this particular person's name who likes to call me, to complain only and waste my time, let them go elsewhere for that. You know, something like that. You can make it rhyme. It doesn't have to rhyme. And then you just say three times three. So mode it be, if you want to say that, you don't have to say the three thing. If you don't like it, just say, you know, so shall it be, that's it. And if it doesn't work, then you can do it again a couple days later. Just keep doing it until you know, you're freezing them out effectively. And when you do this and as it's in the freezer freezing, you know, it takes a couple hours for it to freeze. Um, imagine that they try to go to the phone to call you and a cold wave washes over them and they feel like maybe now is not the time and they step away from their phone and just imagine them every time they think about complaining that they get confused and they don't know what they're going to do and they don't call you. <laughs> it's really, really weird. I did this, you know, uh, for one person who would not stop calling me and I mean excessively. Now I don't mind if you guys call and ask me questions, you write me and ask me questions. I love that. And I'm not complaining about any one of you, not at all, not even by a long shot. 
what I'm talking about are those friends that will um, call you seven days a week for the past 10 fucking years and they waste two to three to four hours a day, you know, calling you two or three times a day about the same fucking problem that they have zero uh, idea about solving. They don't want to solve it. They're enjoying the complaint. You know, I had a friend who called and complained about her love life for 10 fucking years. Every damn day she called me. Every day. And then at the end of the conversation, which was really one-sided, she would say something like, oh, how are you guys? Oh, I got to go. You know, oh, how are you guys doing? How's your family? How, you know, tell everyone hi. Oh, oh, I'm getting another call. I, I got to go. It was like that every fucking night for like 10 years. That's what I mean. That's a fucking chronic problem. Like if, you know, someone calls you once, you're not going to put them on ice. If they call you two or three times in a month, you, it, it might be a little annoying, but that's not terrible. What I mean is the people that they are like energetic mooches and they mooch off your energy. And that is the best way I've come up with, uh, for dealing with people. Like if they're not going to take the criticism or they're not going to, you know, if I say, well, I can't talk that long tonight. And then they still, okay, well, I'll call you back in an hour. When can you talk? It's like, fuck, man, I cannot talk for hours. It's like a part-time fucking job at that point, right? You know, um, you know, I, I answer my emails from you guys when I can. And I don't want, again, just to reiterate, I'm not talking about any one of you. Because not no one that listens to the show has ever contacted me in a way like this. That's completely inappropriate. And, um, you know, uh, to suck my time away. You know what I mean? Like I have a really good time talking to most of you and I actually, all of you, to be honest, I've enjoyed, uh, our time together and it's, um, I answer my emails like a couple times a day. Usually, you know, usually once minimum, sometimes twice, like in the morning when I wake up in the evening before I go to sleep, it's a nice way to ease into my day. It's a nice way to, to, um, you know, uh, wind down at the end of the day as well, you know, answering questions from you guys, which I love, but, um, but I'm not talking about any of that. I, I just, I want you guys to know, cause a lot of you are very sensitive people like me, you know, it's like, no, no, it's not what I mean. But what I mean is when someone absolutely expects that, like they'll call you and say, you got a minute and that minute takes like two or three hours of your time. And you're the other person on the line expected to listen without any input. And you're like, uh, 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 you know, (laughs) like if someone is listening to your side of the conversation, that's all they're hearing for three hours, making weird noises. You're about to say a word, but then they cut you off because it's a, it's a them show and it's not a conversation. And, um, I noticed that after I did the freezing thing for a couple different people, I never really had that issue again. I never had anybody that has to call me for whatever, you know, like I have a couple friends that call me with their problems or their issues, but they actually do an exchange. What's going on with you? What can I do for you? How can I be there for you? How can I be supportive of you? 
you know, I do have people in my life that are like that, you know, like I want to talk about this, but I also want to talk about your stuff too. And sometimes we'll have a conversation where all of my stuff is about my problems and all of his stuff is about his problems. I have one person in my mind right now. We do this. And then at the end, we'll give each other a solution. And it's kind of funny. And that's how we've worked. We've been friends for a long time, you know, because <laughs> we do texting, you know, and like, I'll say, well, about your thing, this is my issue, or this is my uh, idea for you. And then about my thing, here's the issue. And then, and then, but we have it, we end up working it out somehow. It's like always good communication. You know, it's like, here's my issue. What do you think? Well, I think this, here's my issue. What do you think? Well, I think this, all right, cool. Let's both walk away from the exchange loving each other a little more and understanding each other a little more and also feeling a little more relieved, you know, in, in this situation. So if you have anyone, if you have any problems you want to get out, get out to a therapist or a dog or your journal or your, you know, your aunt Sally might be okay with it, but don't waste people's time. You know, it's like, we're all dealing with our own shit. We're all dealing with our own shit here. And it's so hard like to have somebody just sit and talk for 30 or 40 or 50 minutes. Now I used to be guilty of this where I wanted to just get it all out. And it got me, got to a point where I realized if I just say the same things to a crowded room or an empty room, not a crowded room, sorry, an empty room, I would feel better whether someone was listening to me or not. It got to a point where I'm talking to God about it. Okay, God, this is my issue. This is my problem. God has the best advice anyway, and he has all the time in the world to uh, listen since he created all the time in the world. <laughs> and plus he lives outside of time. He's got literally infinity to listen to my petty little uh, whinings. So it is what it is. I don't know. I don't like to put shit on other people like that. And when I was younger, I did. When I was 18, 19, man, I was just... Man, I, I don't like the person I used to be back then. I was so unaware, and now I'm a lot more aware of it. I just feel like we have to um, do better for ourselves, and we have to do better for other people. And I think the only way we're going to do better is if we actually are aware of our own actions and also aware of when we have the need to tell other people that we, you know, that we need them to, uh, you know, stand down, stand back, stop, stop being up in my face about your problems when I myself have my own issue. Right. You know, um, I don't know. It's just, it's just one of those things. It's just, uh, you know, um, there's, there's one of you, uh, that actually called me because one of the persons in your family actually, had a serious medical issue and I loved to hear about that um, so that I could send love and energy and light to that person and that person still in all of her pain never stopped to you know never told me just not to get back you know she's just such a sweet person and she's like you know how are you you know she asked about me and she you know as well and you know said how grateful she was you know that's another thing a lot of people that would do this with this constant soliloquy, one-sided conversation bullshit, <laughs> they don't uh, go out of their way to even say thank you at the end of it. And I had friends that never really said thank you at the end, or they would say they're grateful, but that was just another manipulation 
to continue the conversation in a, in a more manipulative way. You know, oh, thank you for talking about me. Oh, look, can we talk about me again? I have another issue. You know, I'm so grateful for you. Let's talk about me again. You know, I have, a, I have an ex-client who um, would do this to me. She said she wanted to become friends with me after our last session, which was like years ago. So we're kind of friends, I suppose. But every time we have any kind of conversation, it's about me having to rescue her from being homeless. And she's been homeless chronically for like 20 years, you know, and even though people give her advice, she doesn't want to hear it. All she wants to do is complain about being homeless and make her problem everybody else's emergency, even though she knew this was going to happen because it's happened for 20 years pretty much every week. So, um, because she won't accept any living place in any situation or she picks the shittiest places because of her programming. And I used to hypnotize her a lot, um, for various things and she never, ever changed. And it got to the point where I realized she's a narcissist because she doesn't want to change. She doesn't think she has to change. She just wanted to waste my time. (laughs) She paid me, you know, which is good, you know, but she wanted to waste my time more because she'd want to talk and talk and talk for two or three or four hours before I would get to the hypnosis part. And I, and she knew that I had to hypnotize her in order to be paid to be a hypnotherapist. Otherwise it makes me a therapist, which is illegal because I'm not a therapist. I'm a hypnotherapist. So it was one of those, I got to get the hell out of here thing. And I finally, you know, let her know, you know, Hey, I'm a spiritual counselor. So I'm glad I was able to spiritually counsel you, you know, pray to God about it. (laughs) We've spoken about God. So now it's a spiritual, uh, counseling session and now I've got to go, you know, and it just, it was bad. It was, it was one of those things that was just, uh, Oof, you know, and she contacted me again, like, um, a few weeks ago. And she was just like, I need you to find me, at, you know, a hotel in Oregon. And I'm like, I literally, I live in an, on another continent. Why are you calling me? You know, like call a travel agent, call, you know, because there's no, there's nothing I can do from here, I can't make phone calls to the United States and spend the next three or four days trying to make sure you are safe and not on the street when y'all knew this was going to happen the whole time you knew this was going to happen, right? So I gave her all these solutions immediately. In like 10 minutes, I found like all these places. And, and I said, here's the solutions, you you know, either be on the street or call these places. They're within your price range, blah, blah, blah. Like I'm a travel agent now, you know? And she literally took none of my solutions and tore them all to hell. And I said, then there's literally nothing I can do for you. I'm sorry. I've got to go. And I just stopped writing back to her because it's ridiculous. You know, (laughs) it's like, you know, my problem, my problem, my problem, my problem. You know, we all have people like that in our lives. We all have, maybe we've been that person and maybe we've had that person. So I'm just wanting to get my two cents out. Oh, I looked, it was 22, uh, 33 a second ago. All right. I want to let you know, um, weird on other, on and wait in other news. So, um, I wanted to let you know that a lot of you have written to me saying that you're now starting to see the colors in the plasma in the, your rooms. You're laying in your room in the morning and you look and all of a sudden there's all these colors floating around you. You're seeing 
the plasma around you. <clears throat> this is good. This means that your, your eyes are attuning to the fifth dimensional vibrations. That's very good. That means you're ascending, right? I sometimes see it in the atmosphere, like in the sky, but I, as far as next to me in my room, I don't think I'm seeing it. You know, I think, I think I'm seeing, I, does that make sense? I think, I think, I think I'm seeing it, but then maybe it's my mind playing tricks on me. I don't know. But, um, two or three of you have written me saying, I'm seeing this now. Like since you did that, that episode with prime creator talking about the ascension, I'm actually seeing it. I'm seeing the colors. I'm seeing them all around me. And you guys have seen pink and orange and green and purple and like a fuchsia. And that's what I saw when prime creator, um, showed the image in my mind. That's exactly what I saw as well. At least in my mind's eye. I haven't seen it outside. Like when I look outside right now, I have my doors, I both my doors open because knowledge Raven spell is out in her yard. She damn well better be in her yard. <laughs> I caught her on the neighbor's roof the other day. I mean the other day and like an hour ago the other day, just yes, not yesterday, but today. And I, I let her out yesterday. I let her out today. She, if I meow at her, she comes meowing like multiple times runs as fast as she can up the stairs to see me because she's she's my baby she wants to come and be with mommy but then she immediately runs back out because she doesn't want to be here cooped up all day in the house and I don't blame her so um anyway I tried to put by the way Jordan <coughs> for your information <laughs> I did try to put her a little harness I bought a harness for her and I found one that fit which is awesome I tried to put a little harness on her and she, well, let's just say I was bleeding for a while, <laughs> two days in a row. I'm like, just wear it for a minute. I was going to try to increase the minute. Like right now we're going to wear it for a minute and then tomorrow we'll wear it for two minutes and then we'll increase to three minutes. And you know, I can't even get it on her at once. Like at all, not even for, not even for five seconds. I tried, I almost got it on her and, and she wriggled out of it and it was, and it was over. But when I did, it was awesome because I found out it actually fit her. And so I thought that was the only, that was the only progress I've made, but I thought, Hey, it's don't despise humble beginnings. This is progress. <laughs> anyway, that's the Raven spell report. Um, she's been sleeping next to my feet for days now, not on my pillow and I miss her cuddling on my pillow, but it's actually a sign of greater respect. If a cat sleeps like near your feet, I think I need to look that up again. So it's been kind of sad for me cause I want to cuddle with her. But at the same time, I feel like she's respecting me more cause I let her go outside a couple times. I don't know, but I've been feeding her. I've been spoiling her rotten cause she's, She's been kind of a bratty catty. You know, she she attacked me today, bit my cheek because I wouldn't let her go outside. And then I'm like, fine, go outside. You know, I'm like, just wait a few minutes. And she was just like, no, like she had to go now. But um, she's not fighting with the cat that lives here that also, is, this is her yard. They're not quite getting along in the way that they're best friends, but they're, it's, it's interesting to watch this. Like, you know, 
All right. <laughs> she did throw um, a fit and chase a cat out of her yard yesterday that didn't belong here. I thought that was pretty cool. And she always looks around the streets at the other cats that are there, but she doesn't go out or engage them. So I'm happy that I think she is staying in her yard for the most part. And the neighbors got a dog instead of poisoning her. I think they're just going to do that. They have a dog. The dog keeps her out of the yard. And that's good. It keeps her home. So there's that. That's a Ravenspell report. Um, she hasn't done a whole lot of um, strange things lately. I think she gave me a blessing, though, over the weekend. I, I think she um, put her paws up and gave me a blessing. She does this cool God bless you thing that she does. And that was pretty neat. Anyway, um, I wanted to get into this uh, space weather thing. Ascension symptoms, though, before we get right into that, I wanted to mention the ascension symptoms that I've noticed. Um, insane amount of allergies, um, sneezing my head up. I, I went through almost an entire double roll of toilet paper since yesterday, just blowing my nose. Just I had it on here on my desk, just constantly with blowing my nose. I had to take a couple different kinds of allergy pills. It's been ridiculous. Um, so there's that and that's been annoying as hell and uh what else um a lot of shoulder pain shoulder blade pain like where my wings would go i've had uh, ribs that felt like they're going out of place as well as my um uh, spine has been sore hips and back have been sore uh not as much swelling though that I was having um, and see what else are other people other people are still having purges in the body like whether it's vomiting or uh, diarrhea or um, peeing a lot um, other people have been reporting that when I look at different um, symptoms that other people are, are you know reportings or people are telling them what they're what's going on um, I've had a lot more sleep in my eyes. I don't know if that's something that you guys have had. Or like more sand in your eyes. Like what the hell? Um, if, if you're in Europe, it's probably sand from the Sahara Desert. Um, <laughs> I, I literally sometimes think that it's actual sand in the air sometimes. I always feel that. But it's only been the last week or so that I've noticed that. As well as... Um, Blurred vision, one eye might suddenly go blurry and you can't see out of one eye for a couple of minutes and then it comes back. Same thing with your ears, uh, beeping or um, a tone will be in both ears or suddenly just in one ear or suddenly one ear goes deaf temporarily and then it comes back online. I've noticed that there's a lot of throat chakra and third eye activations lately, a lot of crown activations over the beginning part of the weekend. And even till now a little bit, um, I've just noticed that these parts of the body are a little bit more active, you know, like <laughs> from the neck up, just anything that can go wrong has, um, asthma. I've noticed I'm taking my inhaler, my four hour inhaler every four hours I need it, which is crazy. Normally I take it once a day, once every 24 hours, maybe twice if, um, I'm a little more congested than normally. But um, asthma has gotten worse, allergies, uh, sleeping. Um, I've been waking up way early. Um, I woke up at 6.47. 
And I wasn't sure if I should go back to bed or not. I'm like, I'm not usually up at this hour. I don't know what to do. I felt weird, you know? So I ended up going back to bed till nine o'clock, which is also weird because that's very early for me. I went to bed at one. So I'm going to bed earlier. I'm waking up really hella early and nap time in the afternoon that I don't normally do. I've been doing so, um, lots of, uh, acid reflux type of issues in spite of my taking, um, um, apple cider vinegar in water because that, that will cure that. That'll help it. So I just think it's an ascension symptom because it keeps happening and happening and happening over and over and over again. Every day for like the past week has been a big issue as well as, um, just burping a lot. You know, even if you're not drinking soda, it's like you've been drinking soda all week. Um, that's another really weird one. Um, not so much coming out the other end, but the, the burping has, has been another thing. Um, ear aches. It's really weird, but achy ears feeling feverish, like you're really sick, but you're really not. And it's more of an energy fever rather than an actual physical body is heated fever. If that makes sense. Like if you touch your forehead, it feels normal. But if you touch next to your forehead, the, the space like a half inch away from your forehead, it's hotter than your actual forehead. That's what I mean. It's like you're pulling in the light. You're pulling in the plasma energy that's all around you so that you can spiritually grow. And yet at the same time, it's making you feel a little bit sick. What I've noticed when you do, when you're having these issues is if you consciously imagine that you're pulling in this plasma, this light that, you know, the cosmic radiation, which is a lot of times from a exploded supernova. I mean, all this energy is there for you to learn and grow spiritually if you're willing to be aware of it and accept it. So if it's already happening and you're having these issues, just say out loud, I accept the issue. Uh, I mean, I accept the issues. Excuse me. Don't say that. <laughs> I accept the energy. I accept the energy into my body and I'm willing to learn and grow with it. And when I say that, I just like my sinuses stopped uh, being so uh, problematic this morning. So it did help, you know, make up your own affirmation, you know, or your own way to pull in the love and light. Um, you know, your words will make it yours and you'll accept it more than my words. So there you have it. Okay. So here we go. 3355 <laughs> right in right there. Uh, so uh, spaceweather.com right now, solar wind speed currently is 447.1 kilometer per second. I don't know that there's a solar wind specifically coming our way but it is a lot more than it was yesterday. And it seems like it's increasing, which makes me believe we are going to have a lot of energy, extra energy coming our way. Now the X flare sunspot that gave us this massive flare on the 3rd of July, um, went for a two week journey on the other side of the sun and it's back. <laughs> and we, don't know if it spent its final, um, you know, fury as it's called here in spaceweather.com. You know, how they say, has it spent its fury since we last saw it or just some remain? Well, we don't know. We're going to find out, I guess. 
right now we are faced with um, three sunspots and a brand new one that's emerging. Um, sunspot number 42 is uh, where we're at now. So we have uh, 2842, 2845, and 2844. They're all facing us right now with a brand new one um, coming up. There's a really cool video uh, that Phil Smith was able to record and he recorded a piece of history or astrological is that astrological no astronomical history sorry wrong word um, <laughs> he was watching the International Space Station above his house in New York and all of a sudden the space station doubled in brightness and he got a video of it what happened was he literally saw the solar flare like the energy, the, uh, uh, brightness of it bounce off of the space station. So that was actually pretty cool. So if you want to see a little video of footage of that, it's like 30 seconds long. It's pretty cool. Uh, it's this solar panel actually caught the beam of sunlight and redirected it towards earth. And so he was able to record that, and that's on spaceweather.com if you want to check it out. So uh, we're now at a high level of the space age average neutron counts. That means cosmic radiation, cosmic rays coming our way, and they do raise our vibration. <laughs> um, we're now at 9.1% of the space age average. That's high. It's in the past 48 hours. It has gone up by 0.7%. As far as the uh, all-sky fireball network and the NASA's all-sky cameras, they did report eight meteoritic fireballs over the United States, and they were all sporadic. There's no significant coronal holes on the Earth's side of the sun, so even though the solar wind has been increasing, it's not increasing in a way in which it's coming our way necessarily or necessarily <laughs> all right um the shimon resonance news coming from disclosurenews.it is 42 that's it the biggest spike they had over in italy was for the whole day was 42 hertz frequency as far as the HeartMath institute and heartmath.org is concerned right now this data is unfortunately temporarily um unavailable so i'm going to take a quick break guys and when i come back we are going to read the next possibly the final installment not sure yet in the life and teaching of the masters of the far east book three right after this Alright guys, this is book three of the life and teaching of the masters of the Far East. This is episode 13. Hopefully we'll be able to finish the episodes of this book today. I, I think this is the last one. 13 is the card of death, so <laughs> I think it's a good sign anyway uh, that this is maybe the end. <laughs> 
not the death of, but the end of, uh, this, um, reading of this particular book. And then we could start next week on either another book completely or possibly the fourth book. I'm not sure yet. I haven't been able to find the fourth book to be honest. So, um, maybe it's on PDF somewhere. I'll find it. If it's out there, I will find it. But <laughs> anyway, um, two things I'm pleased to announce before we get into the book. Number one, my cat came home and asked for her tilapia. Aw, and I fed her, and she was so pleased with herself, and she hung out inside the house. Even though the door's open, she could go in or out if she wants. I thought it was really cool that she does come home to use the litter box and to eat. (laughs) Typical teenager. I'm just kidding. Does her laundry and then leaves. Just kidding. Um, (laughs) Grabs the $20 I had on the kitchen counter and that's it. Just teasing. Um, (laughs) I just thought it was really cute how she just came running in here and meowing at me. She missed me. Aw, so cute. Anyway, um, and the other thing I'm pleased to announce is I get to read this book without my glasses because my eyes are better today. So that's, that's something. I think that's wonderful. Um, this uh, Ascension Symptoms with the Eyes, man, this is for the birds. It's been really hard to see, uh, to see <laughs> basically. But today we'll see how far I can get without my cheaters. <laughs> anyway, we're in the middle of this uh, chapter from last week. He's talking about the tribes of Israel. To me, this is kind of a, an extremely boring con um conversation it really is not for me interesting but we'll see if it's going anywhere exciting I don't care about the history of humans and how they migrated I really don't care but I do care about how do I get to become an ascended master and help other people you know what I mean (laughs) like I don't think you guys care to know all of my addresses in California that's why I feel like this is kind of boring you know (laughs) I know where I come from. I come from the Crystal City in another dimension. I'm not from here. So I just, it's like, eh, whatever. But hopefully you guys um, can get something out of it. I'm going to go ahead and finish this chapter, and hopefully this Rishi will stop talking now. (laughs) This is the Rishi that showed up with four angels to announce his presence, and he came down from the sky. So I thought this was going to be really good. I'm like, you know, his appearance, the way he entered, he makes an entrance really well. But then his talk was so freaking, it was just boring to me and a little questionable as well. So we'll see where we're at. (laughs) All right. This is what he continues to say here. That part of the tribe of Judah which joined the Israelites in their migrations through Europe are not a part of the race that are now known as the Jews. That portion can in no way be distinguished from the other Israelites that settled in the British Isles and elsewhere and along the shores of the Mediterranean Sea as through intermarriage and environment, they have all lost their tribal characteristics. I was of this race Therefore, I know. Okay, now that's a little more interesting, slightly. Now, I'm like, why is he going on about this? What does this have to do with this guy? But now I know why. Now I know exactly what, right? Okay. 
He goes on. The Jews are with us. We can trace their history step by step down the ages from the house of Judah to the tribe of Judah and down to the present day. They are one of the standing signs of the great race that has assisted in preserving the God ideal until all races are restored into one race with the Christ of God, the controlling factor in each unit of that race as it was before the great race began to disseminate and divide. I mean, okay, just stop you this for a second. I, the great race, I don't know. I don't really buy into this shit. So everybody, in my opinion, is, I mean, he is Jewish, so he's going to talk about it like that. But I just feel like, you know, God loves us all equally. And so I think calling the Jews the great race where the rest of us are what, shit? Chopped liver? What the re- what's the rest of us? You know, like... I just think this is kind of bullshit, to be honest with you, but (laughs) we're going to just continue uh, a little, we're just going to, we're just going to bust through it, keep reading through it. Remember it was written like what, 165, 167 or so years ago. So, okay. Um, It is not difficult to trace the migration of Israel from Jerusalem. The trails of those who settled in the British Isles are readily distinguishable. Likewise, that of the tribe of Dan. Ooh, handsome Dan from Yale? No, we're not that lucky. Their name and history, also the places where they settled, identify them. The Danube River. Oh, that Dan. Named from the tribe. Oh, okay. That's weird. I didn't know that. Is an open roadstead today through which, after disseminating into tribes, Divisions of these tribes came to Britain later as Danes, Jutes, Picts, P-I-C-T-S, they settled in Scotland, and I think parts of Ireland, and other names as well. Thus, they went into Scandinavia, Ireland, Scotland, I just said that, and other countries, and under these various names, they came to Britain and thence to America. Thence. (laughs) As they reached America, they are in their former homeland. Oh, wait, what? What? All right, we're just going to read through this. That's weird. In this land of their origin, they are fast losing their tribal identities and are changing their language into the one language, and that language will be the one which they spoke when they departed. Uh, making less sense now. <laughs> uh, they have wandered from home for a long, long time, but they are back again to their homeland. And that land extends to South America, Australia, New Zealand, and the South Sea Islands, and is as far flung as Japan and China. This, the Japanese and Chinese have migrated but little. You know that's not true at least now it's not true i mean there's a whole city here in ecuador that's mostly chinese people that are migrants but i don't know (laughs) they are divisions of a vital race that migrated from the motherland of mu 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 long before the disturbance that caused the mother continent to sink okay this is more exciting 
they were called oh, I can't even pronounce this Oigar U I G U A R Oigar Oigar I don't know <laughs> or wandering tribes and are the progenitors of the great Mongolian races It is in this homeland that the white race achieved the highest civilization. They used emanating and radiating energy and released the energy of the atom to do useful work. You mean like the fucking bomb? <laughs> What? Oh, this is before the bomb. This is before World War One and Two. So this guy doesn't know what is about to happen. Yeah, we'll see how the white people took the atom. Anyway, moving right along, he goes on. They also developed levitation. Oh, okay, so now we're talking maybe he said move. I'm thinking Atlantis. We'll see if he talks about that in a minute. Now, levitation I'm interested in. So they also developed levitation. Thus, they transported themselves from place to place. Their philosophy was entirely free from pagan worship, creed, dogma, and superstition. They worshipped true principle as flowing through all humanity, man as divine as God. Israel, Arya, is the symbol of the single and wise kingship and culture. From this race came the Bible, and to this race its highest precepts were addressed. The Christ in man was their ideal. This was a torch that bore the light, which was always a flame, the head of the scepter. To fan this flame and keep it glowing ever brighter, that, that man may never forget its precepts. Those precepts were not only recorded in one Bible, but in 12 Bibles. Are they all different? <laughs> I'm just saying. Oh, I see. Probably what he means is it was all transcribed into 12 separate Bibles, which makes sense. To guard against destruction or subversion, people built 12 corresponding Bibles in stone and located them throughout the motherland in order to bring them together under one head. Thus, people, I'm sorry, thus making the precepts everlasting They built the Great Pyramid, thus proving that the Christ, the foundation of civilization, was solidly established on earth among men and could not be defaced or erased. Okay, so he's saying that the idea of the Christ and the Bible itself came long before Jesus was born because the Great Pyramid had been a mystery and no one knew where it came from by the time he was born. So he's not talking about Jesus. He's talking about the Christ consciousness that came before him. That, you know, it's always been available to us. So just, okay, well, let's keep going. Um, <clears throat> so it cannot be defaced or erased. It would last forever, not only as a beacon that would hold high the light, but as a reflector for that light. It not only reflected the light, but gave forth the oft-repeated command, if humanity has lost the light, go within. There you will find recorded the precepts that will renew the light so that it may shine forth from you, the lost sheep that are wandering bereft of light. With God, all that wander without the light or life are sheep that have strayed from the fold. 
The fold is always there to behold and return to. The Christ, the shepherd, awaits with the lighted torch upheld for those that will enter therein. Okay, so he's describing the Christ as the hermit. The tarot cards have been around a long, long time, by the way. Although it has been hidden through the ages, it's always there for those that come seeking the light. It is the first expression from the cosmos. The voice, the word of God comes forth. Here is light. Let there be light. The vibration flashed forth. With those vibrations came life. That life is never separate from God is witnessed by the fact that this great pyramid with its foundation well established on earth rears its head uncrowned to the skies. When man accepts his true heritage, Christ and the fact that the Christ of God is his true self in full dominion, the crown or capstone will be placed. Ooh, ooh, that's interesting. Then will it stand as an everlasting witness to the fact that man will never again wander from the fold. The great by the great pyramid is a Bible in stone an indestructible bibliographical bibliographical record portraying events of attainments and wanderings of God's chosen peoples. This does not mean just one people, but all people who accept the Christ light. Neither does it give those people license to act and be less than Christ-like. It stands as a witness, lest humanity or its units wander away and forget and dim this true light that from their midst would come forth one who had the determination fully to portray the Christ and with torch held high, aflame with light, would lead as the Christ within should lead. For ages, civilization has been going downward. No shit, Sherlock. (laughs) I agree with that statement. In fact, so long has a great race trod the dark path, it appeared that this great race would lose its identity and revert to savagery and barbarism entirely. It was recognized that only a few were holding fast to the pure concepts that belonged to humanity and that these few must withdraw into seclusion in order that they may or they could more readily come together, concentrate and send out the light for the protection of humanity as a whole. Through this group, teachings were promulgated that the world needed a savior, a God-man, who could and would step forth and through thought, word, or deed, teach and show humanity first through its units, then in mass that the Christ still lived in them and was just as vital as ever, although inactive. The Christ light has been, had been submerged by them because of their ignorance and refusal to live a Christ-like life. Through the spoken word, prophecy, and the heralding of groups and individuals, the proclamation was sent out to humanity that the Most High had appointed a Savior who would again live true to humanity's highest concepts and that a Savior would come forth at an appointed time. This was an edict of the Most High which the God had poured through a group of human units. Those units saw that in order to attract men to the Savior who would come among them, it would be necessary to set an appointed time for his advent 
and that all should be instructed as to the method and purpose of his coming, even fixing the exact date of the crucifixion of which we literally know nothing about because the date was not written in the stupid Bible. Anyway, sorry. It's just, Ooh, it's like so important. And then uh, oopsies. I forgot to write the date down. Like really though, there was not only necessary. This was not only necessary to, in order to give his teachings greater weight and vitality, but it was necessary to bring humanity's thoughts back to a focal or central point as a majority we're wandering entirely after strange gods. Humanity had gone so far afield that spiritual death was imminent. Thus, it was proclaimed by the, that the body of this Messiah or Savior be slain, and his body would be placed in a rock-hewn tomb, and a complete resurrection follow. Thus, humanity would again be shown that they could turn from being the sons of men and become the sons of God, the Christ of God, always dwelling one with God. Thus, by living the good, the God life, man would never go back to the welter. Peace and good would, will, would reign on earth. It was also written that this condition did exist and was before all things and that he would teach them man's true heritage. Thus, he did exist and was hidden one of the ages. He was the hidden one of the ages, sorry. And through the precepts that he taught flowed the fountain of God's providence and the full fruits of the earth that were for man's free use. These, their, I'm sorry, ugh. their prophecies had been, oh my God, it's like impossible for me to read this because it, the word there is spelled wrong and I'm just, <laughs> sometimes I'm, I'm on the spectrum and sometimes things spelled wrong. And that dog barking in the background is starting to irritate me. All right. Their prophecies had become paganized and subverted before the advent of Jesus. And this subversion had a, has extended to this day, leading many to believe that the basic elements of Christianity had been borrowed from previous religions. Instead of knowing it's always stood forth and accomplished humanity's highest ideal. The body of the mother, the one who would bring forth and nourish this Christ child, and the body of the father who would stand as a physical protector, were also prepared for this immaculate birth, each complete yet united as one, to watch over this child who would grow into maturity among those he would teach. The mother was Mary, the father was Joseph, both representing the descendants of David, the true light bearer from the seed of Abraham, meaning Abram, the bearer of the complete light from the great cosmos. The sons of man had reverted so low in the scale that the vibrations of their bodies were below those of the animal. <laughs> yeah, I believe that. By stepping forth and presenting the long forgotten Christ, he knew full well they would attempt to ravage his body in a greater degree than the animal would, unless human perceptions were guided by the Christ light, they would sink lower than the animal. He knew he must be so definitely at one with the Christ in his dominion that they could not touch him unless he chose. Thus he was fearless in choosing the role. Such is a such an one, which is such a weird way to put that such a one Cho choosing this role must be humble, knowing fully that the, such is the role that all have followed through their Christ life. 
this gathering consolidates this idea more def definitely. You can observe the silent influence wielded through the thousands of humble souls gathered here. You can calculate this fully by taking for the basis of your deductions the fact that one man standing forth in his Godhead, giving forth in fullest measure, conquers the world and death is no more. Add to this the influence of one more who is as powerful the influence of the two is fourfold greater than the one. Then multiply this by the numbers gathered here and you realize that the power that is radiating forth to the whole world from this multitude. With such a power center and full radiation, the world is reborn, revitalized, renewed instantly, whether the units of humanity realize it or not. Such an assembly has gathered in stated locations throughout the world every 12 years, far down the ages, long before Neptune threw off her mantle of God. Didn't know she did that or that she was a she, so... All right. Their numbers were less in the earlier days, but the radiations going out from the groups have attracted others without an audible word being spoken. The first small group grew into a multitude, then from that one multitude formed another group, and so on till 12 groups were formed. And this is the 12th or last group, making 13 in all. 13, there's that number again. This group has assembled to consolidate and unite the 12 within the first group, making 13 united into one complete group. Yet meeting as original groups have met in different places to facilitate the accessibility of the assembling places. There is no attempt at definite organization, neither are there any hard or fast rules adhered to. It is not only organized as each individual is organized within and throughout that organization is drawn to one of the groups. The location of the assemblies had, has never been revealed to people in general, which proves that there's been no attempt at organization. The assembly, which will gather at 12 o'clock tomorrow, will fully consolidate all the groups under the first group. The 12 building a pyramid symbolizing the completion of the Christ ideal in man the 13th constituting the capstone or crown. All the 13 groups, oh, remember we're talking about Kumba Mela, but this is like the big one. So that's what they're talking about. Sorry to say the pyramid still does not have an actual capstone or crown 167 years later. I've always wanted to secretly scale up that thing and put a gold crown on it, but that's just me. All right, <laughs> I want to see what it would do. <laughs> All the 13 groups will assemble as separate groups in the same location as before, yet the assembling of one or all the groups will be the same as though we were meeting with the head group, which will be accomplished tomorrow. Aside from just assembling, God, can this guy say assembling one more time? Oh my God. Aside from assembling, ah, fuck. <coughs> I said it wrong. Sorry about that, guys. Aside from just assembling for consolidation of the 13 groups into one group, 12 from each of the 12 groups will go out to assist in forming 12 more groups. Multiply this by 12, which will be 144 groups. When these groups are augmented by other form units of humanity, they will again branch out into groups of 12. Thus, a pyramid formed of groups in the order of 12 will be erected until it, it encompasses the earth. The only requisite necessary to become one or part of these groups is first to present the Christ ideal to yourself 
then give forth Christ to the world in thought, word, and deed. You are then one with this whole great group and where you meet God, they must meet with you in your home, your own sanctuary, be it in the most remote part of the world on the mountain peak or in the busy marts of trade. One with God is a determining factor. Always the instant you lift your thought to the Christ, your body responds to the Christ vibration. Then you respond to the same vibratory influence that is emanating from this vast throng and the multiplied energy of its numbers picks up your Christ ideal and spreads it broadcast to the whole world. And your influence is carried on and on with a combined whole in a great tidal wave of thought. Thus, instead of remaining in the former seclusion, these precepts will become worldwide to such a group. There need be no head, save the great Godhead of the whole human race. No form, no sect, no creed is necessary. Declare you are the Christ and command the self to live true to this ideal concept in thought, word, and deed. Thus you do conceive and bring forth the Christ. Okay. Say this really fast. I am the Christ. Say that. I am the Christ. I am the Christ. That does change my vibration a little bit. It goes up. Try it guys. Hopefully, uh, <laughs> Hopefully you did it and you feel it too. All right. These vibrations once established are never diminished though the unit or individual be unconscious of their existence. But if you keep on and on, you will become conscious of these vibrations, which is a far greater experience than any other could be. Thus the focal point, which is established is true and can never be erased. And to this point, every human unit must eventually come. To such the whole wide vista of the universe is opened and there are no restrictions added to or imposed upon the individual. The vista imposed by the human vision may be outside these vibrations, but it be brought, but it may be brought within the range of vibratory vision. There may not appear to be an individual here within the vibratory ray, which the human vision imposes, but each is here and we recognize him. You who have walked or ridden all the way have at times glimpsed this fact or, or you would not be here with such a united humanity. Can the battle of Gog and Magog or Armageddon be fought? Can man made manifestations of law bring forth a force that will trample over God law, which is ruling above and coexisting with all force? Here, but one God man needs say no, and it will be accomplished as all are in unison and respond in unison. No force need be exerted. The force to harm that those in the lower vibrations are sending out can be concentrated and returned to them with true love and blessing. If they resist, they will but destroy themselves. And those who are returning the love force need not so much as lift a hand. These groups stand as the great pyramid has stood indestructible down through the ages as a witness in stone to humanity that the Christ in man was fully established long before man's advent and that man as the Christ has never been separated from the Godhead. That this great pyramid is such a witness is fully established by its age, 
purity of form, construction, and intellectual value. It has been preserved and mentioned as the Great Pyramid throughout millennia. All the scientific information that is embedded in the huge mass was not placed there for the advancement of science, as men must be well-versed in science in order to interpret its knowledge. Its great antiquity and wonderful structure have set it aside as a mystery to mankind. Within its mass is exposed the secret of the universe. Each delineation is in precise terms and methods of exact science. This was preordained and is working toward the harmonious consummation of man standing forth as the Christ of God completely amalgamated with God. The culmination of this accomplishment will place, will place the capstone upon the great pyramid. And that's the end of the chapter. That's pretty cool. But he makes it sound like the pyramid's only 2000 years old. And that's for damn sure. Not true. It's way more than 6,000 years old. I mean, they're saying, I think this last time I looked, I, I don't know. I think 10 or 12,000 years old, maybe. I mean, it was here before Mu. It was here before Atlantis. In fact, when um, Atlantis fell and the Emerald Tablets were written by Thoth, he actually, um, he showed up to the, to Chem, which is what Egypt used to be called, K-H-E-M, Chem. And he called the people there, um, the children of Chem, and he saw the Great Pyramid. He's like, who built this? And they said, we have no idea. And this is right like you know, in the same week that um, Atlantis fell into the ocean. So that was way long, long time ago before Jesus was a twinkle in Joseph and Mary's eye before they were born, actually. So, <clears throat> all right, I'm going to pause this and um, go grab something to eat and then finish reading this next chapter the next chapter is chapter 18 chapter 18 as the rishi finished a number of people walked toward our camp and jesus was in the group we had noted that they had gathered on the slope of a ridge a short distance from the camp but had supposed that they were gathering for a private conference as these gatherings were in evidence all about the countryside. As they approached, Weldon arose, stepped forward, and clasped both of Jesus' hands. There was no need for an introduction as they were all close friends of the Rishi and Jesus. As for ourselves, we felt like little atoms ready to take root in any niche where soil presented itself. All gathered around our campfire, Weldon asked Jesus if he would talk to us of the Bible. This met with the most hearty approval from all, and Jesus began. Let us consider David's prayer in the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You will note that this was not a prayer of supplication. 
Do you not see that the real meaning implies that the one great principle is leading us into the way we should go or great principle goes before on our pathway and thus we make the crooked places straight? This principle prepares our pathway as a shepherd does for his trusting and dependent sheep. Thus we can say, where our father leads, I am unafraid. The good shepherd knows where everything is located that is good for a sheep. Thus we can say, I shall not want. With David we can say, I cannot want for I am is guarded against every ill. Every want of our physical nature is supplied. Not only will not only shall we be well fed in the green pastures, but there will always be an abundance to spare. Isn't that right, knowledge? Hey, baby girl. Hey. What do you think about this? Do you like this one? You really had a lot to say last week, too. And guess who came home on her own like a good girl? I'm so proud. (laughs) Okay, where were we? Um, Every want of our physical nature is supplied. Not only shall we be well fed in the green pastures, but there will be an abundance to spare. We rest in complete assurance that every desire is already fulfilled and provided for. We can let go of every wary sense and say with David, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. The blue of their quiet depths give great peace to our minds and our troubled consciousness is stilled. With body and mind at rest, the heavenly inspiration of the most high principle floods our souls with the pure light of life and power the light within us glows with the glory of my lord the law wherein we are all one this radiant light of spirit renews our understanding we stand revealed to our true selves so that we know ourselves as one with the infinite and each is sent from this principle to manifest the perfection of the father principle In the quiet calm of our souls, we are restored to our pure selves and know that we are whole. Thus, he restoreth my soul. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. In the fullness of the bounty of this God principle, what can we fear? Here we rest our physical natures, God quiets our minds, God rests our souls, God illumines us for service. Therefore, with this perfect preparation from within, what outer test could cause us to fear that any evil thing could harm us? God is in the midst of every one of us. To each, he is an ever-present help in time of trouble. In him we live and move and have our being. We say with one voice, all is well. Now each can say, God love leads me directly into the fold. 
I am shown the right path and corrected when I stray from this fold. The power of God love attracts me to my good. Thus all that without, uh, thus all that would harm is shut from me. Now with David, each can say for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me in first taking up this work and perceiving the truths or the fundamental scientific facts underlying all life and the way of attaining there too, you take the first step and the exhilaration and enlightenment are so far beyond anything you have hitherto experienced that you decide to go on in the work. Then doubts, fears, and discouragements are allowed to creep in and your ongoing seems to be retarded. You struggle first one way, then another, and you seem to be losing ground. The struggle seems to be too great for human beings to accomplish, and you begin to look at the failures all about you. You say God's children are dying on every hand, and none within your generation has accomplished the ideal of everlasting and eternal life, peace, harmony, perfection, which I idealize. You say that accomplishment must come after death. So you let go and find for a time that it's much easier to drift on and on with the human tide on the downward trend. Again, the race consciousness has had another setback. Another who had a great spiritual enlightenment and understanding and could have succeeded has failed and the race consciousness has another binding hold upon humanity. Generation after generation gives it a still greater and tenacious grip. Is it any wonder that human nature becomes weak and frail and in each in turn follows on and on in the same eternal treadmill, the blind following the blind on and on into eternal oblivion and into the great vortex where not only the body is forced into dissolution and decay, but the soul is ground between the never relenting millstones of human perception and mistakes. If you would realize as I did and as so many have done that it is far easier to work out your own problem in one earthly experience than it is to go on and on and accumulate a race consciousness of good and evil that soon becomes an encrusted shell that has been added to layer by layer upon an encrustation by each succeeding experience until it takes superhuman force and sledgehammer blows to break the shell and release your true self. Until you do break the shell and release your true self, you will continue to be ground in the same vortex. You can work until you have released yourself sufficiently to get a glimpse of the horizon's grander view. Here again, you cease to struggle. Your mental vision is cleared but your body is still encased in the shell. <clears throat> Realize that the newborn chick, when its head is free from its shell, must still go on with the struggle. He, it must be entirely free from its old shell or environment before it can grow into the new, which it has sensed and perceived as soon as it has broken a hole through the shell once encasing the egg from which it grew. You fail 
utterly to see that I, as a boy working at the carpenter's bench with my father, perceived that there was a higher life for the God-born so-called human being than to be born into a human existence for a short time and during that short existence be ground between the millstones a man-made laws, superstitions, and conventions, and thus struggle on through that existence for perhaps three score years and ten, then pass on to a heaven and glorious reward of harps and psalms singing that could have no logical existence except in the gullible minds of those preyed upon by the priesthood of my day. (laughs) Of our days too, Jesus. Ugh. You fail utterly to see that after this great awakening or realization within myself, it took long days and nights of struggle in seclusion and silence all alone, right within myself and with myself. Then when the self was conquered, it took the far greater, more bitter experiences of personal contact with those I loved dearly and to whom I wished to show the light that I had perceived, knowing it was the light that burns so brightly, lighting the path of every child of God that is created or that comes into the world. You fail utterly to see the great temptation that beset me to go on and be the carpenter I might have been and then live the short span of life allotted to man by hierarchy and orthodoxy instead of taking up a life which perception had only given me a glimpse of, thus allowing me to see through the murk and mire of superstition, discord, and disbelief. You fail utterly to follow the bodily anguish, the ignominious insults that were heaped upon me by my own kin alone, aside from those to whom I strove to show the light I had perceived. You failed to see that this took a will stronger than my own, which sustained me through these trials. How little you can know of the trials and struggles, temptations and defeats that beset me. How at times I struggled on and on with clenched fists and set teeth seeing and knowing that the light was there, although there seemed to be but one last flickering ray, and at times it seemed that that last ray had gone out and a shadow was cast in its place. Even then, something within me was ever strong and dominant, that back of the shadow, the light was as bright as ever. I went on and cast aside the shadow and found the light burning even brighter because of the temporary dimming. Even when the shadow proved to be the cross and I could see beyond the final awakening of a triumphant morn that passed beyond the understanding of mortal man, still immersed in fear, doubts and superstitions, it was the very urge of this perception that sent me on determined to drink the cup to the fullest draft that I might know by actual experience and contact whereof I spoke and that by the free will of God coupled with his own free thought and pure motive 
could prove for himself alone that God is divine. And that man, his true son, born in his image and likeness, is as truly divine as his father. Is as truly divine as the father is divine. And that divinity is the true Christ that every man sees and perceives in is in himself and in all of God's children. The true Christ is the light that lights every child that comes into the world. It is the Christ of God, our father through and by whom we all have everlasting life, light, love, and true brotherhood. The true fatherhood, the true sonship of God and man. In the light of this true understanding or truth, you do not need to be, or you do not need a king, a queen, a crown, a pope, or a priest. You in the true perception are the king, the queen, the pope, the priest, and none, but yourself and God stand alone. You expand this true perception to take in the whole universe of form and shape and with your God-given creative ability, you surround them with the perfection that God sees and surrounds them with. And that's it. That's the end of the book. Um, I'm going to read to you the addendum because um, in case we missed some things in understanding Uh, which I wish they would have said this in the middle of the book, but okay. Addendum. Okay. So the word Aria, like Aryan race, Aryan nation, not, not what we think of it today. A R Y A means cultured, refined, and noble. Well, that makes me feel better. At least doesn't mean white, right? (laughs) I was really worried about that. I, I seriously, you guys heard me say last week and this week, I'm like, Oh God, I don't. I don't know about this, you know, what is he getting at? But now I just know that Arya means cultured, refined, and noble. Arya Varta was the land wherein the people gave great heed to race culture. Arya Bhava was the ancient name for the highest virtue. Arya Marga was the path to noble life. These precepts had been handed down through eons of time. In ancient India, culture was most human in its outlook, the thought being that great men for a great country. Hence, we find a great people, complete brotherhood, true love and reverence for each human unit, truly humble souls, knowing that all are God. This could in no way become another name for strife and contention, It must become the dominant factor in its essential relationship toward the building of true world consciousness. The Aryans dreamed and philosophized, yet their dreams were most real. They not only dreamed of God, they knew that God was actually enthroned in the hearts and the lives of all mankind as the true and beautiful in every human unit. Is there an intelligent man that does not have such a philosophy, a viewpoint or attitude toward that world? What better attitude could there be than viewing the world through the eyes of God, man? 
Is it not through this attitude that all humanity lives richer and more harmonious lives? The Aryan message is build up your manhood and womanhood and you build up all humanity. By so doing, you avoid the so-called sins against the body through the accomplishment of this ideal. You realize the supreme opportunity of earth's pilgrimage and with the right sense of proportion, the rich powers of youth are laid as an offering at the mother's shrine. Thus you find the key to the kingdom of heaven right within your own soul, just as you did a thousand or a million years back and will do in the years to come. This can be accomplished here and now, or you can go on and plow through material materiality on its network of roads and through its network of thoughts until you eventually reach the same central white light, which is again, spirit, the Christ in everyone, the truth made manifest unto you. This is the ultimate for all races, all creeds, all religion, the fatherhood and motherhood of God. Once self mastery is attained, the master leads on and on ever on. The Aryan manhood guarded Aryan culture. The Aryan womanhood has been the greatest guardian of this culture. All through the ages, she has nourished the moral, social, political life. Her intuitions and mysticism of sympathy have always stood as a great bulwark of the Aryan ideal. Aristotle, (laughs) name of my son, Aristotle asked that an Indian teacher versed in the ancient teachings and culture of India be brought to him, a teacher that in the noblest sense could be called a true man, physically strong, intellectually, morally refined. It is God's promise that prayer is always answered. I say unto you, ask and it is given unto you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it is opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth. And he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. In other words, the Christ admonishes us. When principle says yes, refuse to take no. No does not have its origin in God, but in our own failure to believe in God's promise. The God promise to every man never fails. But how few can stand the test of knowing. How few can meet every trial by knowing God until the Christ of God is released within them. What an invitation to constantly know God. What an appeal for definiteness and persistency. God principle always bears with its own those ready to receive the highest understanding As they cry out for deliverance from their adversaries, they know it is only for their future purification and enlightenment. Thus, they realize that the adversary is a friend. As the adversary compels their unceasing search for God principle. The promise is principle cannot break its own law. We ask for strength to erase the evil thought that law can be broken or that there is a power that can impose God power as God is all power. God must answer prayer. 
God is the only word. It cannot fail. And it's signed by BTS, <laughs> otherwise known as <clears throat> Baird T. Spaulding. And there you have it. That's the end of the book. That is it. Um, that was Life and Teaching of the Masters of the Far East. Uh, book three or volume three. Well, I hope you guys have enjoyed the reading of this, uh, book, these three books. I'm going to look for book four for next week. If I cannot find it, then we're going to have to do something else, <laughs> read something else, I guess. Maybe we'll find a, another Swami book. <laughs> um, you know, um, Atkinson. We might read something from him again. Um, anyway, that's it for now. Um, I'll be back tomorrow with all unique and original programming, just like always. But for now, I am signing off with peace and joy and the high vibes of the Holy Fifth Dimension. Until next time, guys, peace. Metaphysical Soul Speak is run on sponsors and listener support. This means listeners like you. If you are so inclined to support my efforts and my little podcast, please visit me at anchor.fm forward slash metaphysical and pledge an amount of your choosing today. Thank you.